0: Get ready. Yeah. Y'all ready for some live shit? Welcome. Welcome to the D, baby. It's all live down here.
1: What you see is all real.
0: What up though, everybody? Welcome back to a special edition of What Up Though podcast, and this time I'm bringing you guys something a little different. Uh, Over the course of the past few years, I've gotten a lot of feedback asking for uh, not necessarily a little bit more politics because Otis and I talk a lot of politics pretty much every week, but um, a more a more political focused uh, not just an episode but an entire podcast and. I've been mulling around getting a political podcast started and I already knew who I wanted for it, but it was kind of one of those things of like, okay, you know, where's the time? Where's the uh, availability? Uh, what are we going to talk about? And I, I think given the nature of the primaries up until the election and everything that's happened post-election and what we are undoubtedly going to see for the next couple months until Inauguration Day. I think this is a great time to uh, give you guys who asked for it uh, a taste of this political podcast. So uh, I got my boy Larry here. Um, I'm sure some of you listening already know who this is, but um, he's one of, he's probably the person that I respect most that I know in life when it comes to uh, political knowledge. And like for those of you who have given feedback on on what up though, and have said like, "Yo, man, Mike, I love how you how you break this political shit down and make it so I can understand." It, and it's mad interesting, and you seem like you know a lot. I don't know shit compared to Larry. <laughs> so I just want uh, so I just want to let you guys know that if you if you find uh, the political shit that Otis and I talk about interesting, we can keep that that same energy but then we can also bring in well i not we i can also bring in somebody who can speak to it on a even more informed level than i can so um i'm gonna introduce you guys to larry larry you know tell tell the listeners whatever the fuck you want to tell them who cares just say whatever (laughs) if all you want to say is what up motherfuckers that's fine too uh what up though Uh, my name is larry
1: um I really don't. Uh, <laughs> I really don't have much to say in terms of introduction. Uh, you know, uh, I've, I've really been into politics since I was a kid. Really, uh, <clears throat> going back into the uh, eighty-eight election with uh, Bush and, Duk- and Dukakis. Um, I spent some time as an intern uh, for the Detroit NPR affiliate, and during that time, I uh, I helped gather sound uh, for the news reports during the 08 election. Um, so I covered that. Uh, I shouldn't say covered. I wasn't a reporter. But I got, <laughs> I got sound uh, for the actual reporters to do their work. And uh, I did the same uh, towards the end of Kwame's time uh, in the city of Detroit. Uh, and, you know, besides that, I'm just a regular guy who takes an interest in this stuff uh, and uh, U.S. history and politics and world uh, politics as well.
0: Um, yes, that's so, a, that's a good
1: point too. Um, and I think uh, personally, from my point of view it it matters um, with uh, our country being the heart of really empire. Uh, what happens here impacts the rest of the world. and you know, we as Americans, from my point of view, the way my politics are, um, we we have to take responsibility for our decisions and how it impacts other people in the world just like we do uh people here in the u.s and in our own communities so i mean i guess that's all i all i got
0: yeah um i think that your 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 point about not point but you mentioned that you 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 pay attention to world politics i think that's a that's a an important thing to do too and i know a lot of you guys listening are probably just like yo i'm just trying to figure out the shit that's happening here but the you know the more you learn about what's happening in other countries or even just when it comes to learning who those leaders are and how they operate. And then you can understand a little bit what we can expect our president to do when it comes to interacting with those, with those other leaders too. And then it's also interesting too. just think about like for those of us here in Michigan, how different things are a 20, you know, a 20 minute drive from your house into Canada. So like, you know, all kinds of uh, interesting things there, but um, I, I, and side note, I, I, absolutely if we do like a second ep- if well when we do a second episode of this i want to hear about that time spent uh getting sound during those those two <laughs> uh those two uh campaigns like that's uh, i i feel like there's got to be something interesting uh some interesting stuff coming out of those uh <laughs> coming out of those two particular uh campaigns so that that that's that's interesting to me uh, so uh There's so much that we could potentially cover, but, like, you know, this is the first episode, so we want to keep it uh, a little bit more focused. So I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of a background. Uh, Larry and I both are, um, and I'm going to speak for him a little bit here, but uh, I consider us both to be, um, you know, far left, progressive uh, democratic socialists as, as, uh, as, as Bernie Sanders likes to say. Um, I would agree with that. We've, we've both been big fans of Bernie Sanders for a very, very long time. And, uh, both of us were highly, have been highly supportive of of Bernie Sanders in, um, each of these last two, these last two runs, uh, both when he was, uh, defeated by, Hillary Clinton in uh, 16, and by Biden uh, this year, and we are both also not very big fans of Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, but uh, we both begrudgingly cast our votes for uh, each of those candidates. And now, as it stands on November 13th, a few days ago, we got our uh, well. It's probably actually it's probably been about a week or so at this point, but uh, we finally got the results of the election. And uh, Joe Biden seems to be winning handily. Um, I think what it's supposed to look like when it's all said and done, he should be landing at about 306 um, electorates. So uh, pretty. I I don't want to call it a landslide, but it's the same. I, I believe it's the same margin that Trump won by in 16. It is. And yeah. And we had the biggest turnout for both candidates. So. Um, each candidate is now the top vote-getter <laughs> in American history. And, it, was, uh, uh, it was the highest turnout by percentage since 1900. Yeah. 1900. Wow. And um, as it stands currently, I think we're at about, I think when I last looked on the TV, which was probably at some point yesterday, uh, we had 96% of the total vote counted and Biden was up by just over 5 million votes in the popular vote. So uh, that's kind of where we stand right now. And I think the first thing that I want to talk about is how did we get here? So as you all know, we uh, sort of kind of we kind of sort of elected Donald Trump president in 2016. And um, it, it, uh, everyone listening knows how the last four years have been. But I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about. How Trump got elected and how Trump has ultimately lost. Um, and, and this is in spite of, again, the second, not the second biggest turnout or, or number of votes that a candidate has received. And he's still losing by five million votes. So um, I guess I guess my first question to you, Larry, would be um, in your opinion, what created a country that would elect Donald Trump president? Well, I
1: would say that, uh, first of all, I think there is a tendency that people have to look at Donald Trump as something of an anomaly or as something that came out of the blue or that is wildly different than what came from, from the past. Uh, but the, the kind of politics that gave rise to Trumpism has not only been with us, but uh, I can draw a straight line. Through from you know the George W. Bush to Trump, from Reagan, um, you know uh, Sarah Palin was sort of the the proto-Trump. She was basically the Trump-like politician before Trump came aboard. Uh, a you know I guess you would call right populist style, um, who really stopped making the racial dog whistles and started. Making them into uh, racial bullhorns, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs>
0: uh, did, you and, come up, did you come up with that on your own in the moment? Uh, sort racial of. Yeah. <laughs> racial bullhorn. Like yeah. <laughs> and
1: uh, you know, even going back to the '60s with people like uh, the John Birch Society, uh, Barry Goldwater was maybe the the first uh, politician who was uh, the 1964 Republican uh, nominee who lost decidedly uh, in a landslide. And these, you, you know, you can draw a line through history to get to the point where we came to Trump. But in effect, I think that Trump is the Republican id, or at least as it has been for the last, you know, few decades. Regardless of the fact that he lost in this election and he lost the popular vote in the last election, he is the most popular Republican candidate among Republicans in our lifetime. You know, he 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 consistently got over 90 percent approval rating among Republicans, which is something Reagan didn't do. uh, Neither Bush did. Um, He increased his percentage of the vote among Republicans from 2016 to 2020. I believe he got 90% of the vote among self identified Republicans in 2016, and he got 93% in 2020. Um, You know, he. uh, I can remember when Mitt Romney ran for president in 2012, and there was a lot of uh, hand wringing in the Republican Party about him, and there was a lot of let's hold our nose and vote for him, kind of the way. It was for for Joe Biden this time around for a lot of us. Uh, There was a lot of that for Mitt Romney in 2012. There was none of that for Trump. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there were literally people who did it. Uh, Obviously, when 70 million people vote, they're not all the same. But Trump was the guy for, you know, people of that political persuasion. And I think that for a lot of people, they've been waiting for someone to say out loud what they've been thinking in their hearts all this time. And Trump was that guy. He's shameless about it. Um, and, you know, when the media tries to call him out on this stuff, uh, he he gives them the finger and says it anyway. And for a lot of them, they're like, wow, that's what I've been waiting for. Somebody who who, you know, talks about how dirty the Mexicans are just like I think they are. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and when the media tells him That that's rude He he just keeps saying it anyway Just like I would If I were in that situation I hate Mexicans too uh, This is me pretending to be Someone else don't clip that right. say that I hate Mexicans I love oh, Mexicans no, 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 no. I'm going
0: to clip this And you're going to be trending on Twitter yeah, no. Randall <laughs> <from> that <laughs> guy Hates Mexicans <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, I mean, that's, uh, in you know, in my mind, from my point of view, how we got here. It's just sort of a progression. And you can tell it was a progression. It's not just me making this up. A whole lot of people from the Bush administration or who were Bush acolytes ended up in Trump's uh, White House. You know, John Bolton didn't come out of the blue. John Bolton was was a part of Bush, the Bush administration. You know, uh, Reince Priebus was the chair per, chairman of the RNC. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, Trump chewed him up and spit him out early on in his <laughs> presidency. But, I mean, these were all... He's still firing motherfuckers now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, these, a, lot of, a lot of Bush people are in the Trump... Gina Haspel, the head of the CIA, uh, that was a Bush, uh, Bush person. So, I mean, you know, these people fight each other because Trump is uncouth and he says rude things and and he says rude things to other Republicans and so some of them don't like him because he was rude to them and I personally thought that's why he would lose uh, by a bigger amount than he's turned out to lose because I thought that he uh, would have stepped on too many toes but it seems not to be the case but at the end of the day th- these, this is a continuation this is not uh, some sort of wild jump and I think because he's shameless and because he's uh, not politically polished there's a tendency for people to believe that this is just some wild departure from the past but i just consider this personally as a continuation of you know where we left off in 2008 under the bush administration Mm -hmm. um with just a you know uh, a wilder
0: nastier guy yeah i I find myself wondering if um like you mentioned, the strong Republican support that he gets, and uh, it, and even as that that comes in spite of the fact that, like you said, he throws he throws his own people under the bus, right? And it makes me wonder if the the Republican Party, the actual politicians, are they do they really fuck with him, or is it more of like they understand that the people fuck with him? So they're like we're not going to fuck with him because that's going to screw us over if we if we if we actually say how we really feel about him. And cuz I've been watching over the course of this week who like how are how is the Republican party responding to the loss? Like virtually no one has acknowledged Joe Biden's win. And I don't think that's because no one everyone believes Trump. I think it's because everyone understands if they say, congratulations, President-elect, and uh, Donald Trump, you lost, there's 72 million people who are ready to say, fuck you, my pre- not my president. He's get- This election has been a fraud. And I find that incredibly concerning. The idea of undermining the legitimacy of democracy. That is terrifying. <laughs> like, and, and there is like, and, and, and in a way, he's talking into a vacuum in the sense of like, all he's saying about the fraud and all this, nothing's, I don't think anything's gonna come out of this. Is it, it's gonna, he's gonna bitch and moan for the next two months, and then come inauguration day, he's gone, and that'll be that as far as like him being president. But when it comes down to like, um, what he's saying and how his people are hearing it, that's where I get nervous. Cause I'm like, all of us who know shit, and and, and I'm all the, the politicians or whatever, they're probably, yeah, 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 yeah whatever guy. But there is—I'm not going to say all 71 or 72 million people are like, oh, oh, oh this is totally bullshit. But fuck, man, I would wager a strong, a strong portion of that is is eating all of this up and yep. firmly believes that he was he was set up and that this is a fraud. And like that is so concerning to me. And the fact that there are Republican politicians who will not. Uh, who will not encourage him to concede? Who are not congratulating Joe Biden? Who are either um, feeding into this, saying like, "Oh, oh, this like who did like I Lindsey see?" Graham. Um, yeah, Lindsey Graham. But I, there was someone. Uh, oh, fuck. Um, someone from Ohio. Um, Mike
1: who DeWine? went on Fox
0: News? Huh? Mike Dewine. No, it wasn't Dewine. I don't think if it was Dewine. I don't know. It was a uh, um, uh, fuck. I can't remember. I think it was an Ohio uh, senator, maybe I, I can't recall, but uh, he was on Fox News, just just parroting the same shit that, that Trump's been saying. Uh, I don't know, maybe. Okay. But um, maybe <laughs> parroting the same shit that Trump's been saying, and like that's frightening to me because I, I I think anyone with half a brain knows that everything he's he's alleging is complete ridiculousness, right? But the fact that they are so concerned with not alienating themselves from his. 72 million lemmings is man like that, the, it's amazing what they're willing to do to stay in power like i don't even know how some of these people sleep at night
1: that's actually what's scary to me i'm i really want these two weeks to hurry up so they can certify these election results mm-hmm. uh, because if you know if you remember the night of or you know the day that the, the media called the election, you know, or the projections mm-hmm. uh, showed that it was basically over. There were Republicans who came out and they maybe didn't uh, congratulate Joe Biden, but they were, you know, saying, oh, you know, it sucks. We lost that. That was terrible. You know, we'll get them next time or something to that effect. And then, you know, a day or two later, all of those voices silence, And that's when you started hearing the louder voices that were saying, no, this is a fraud. Um, you know, the legal votes and all of this garbage. And, you know, I think what happened was they saw what happened and they'd sit and they honestly, uh, you know, they're not complete idiots. They're like, okay, well, we lost. And then perhaps they started hearing from the people on the ground, um, sort of like you were saying, uh, the Lemmings, who, you know, were like, oh, no, no, we didn't lose. And now they're all sort of falling in line behind this message. And I feel like as long as he's there whipping us up, and as long as there's really no countervailing message, uh, because I hear them whipping it up a lot, and I don't hear a lot of people other than, you know, Jake Tapper saying, <laughs> saying that this is wrong. As long as this keeps getting whipped up, it makes me increasingly nervous mm-hmm. about What the legislators are going to do, because at the end of the day, it's a lot of state legislators that have to certify these election results. And everything I'm hearing says that they're ignoring all of this. But how long is that going to happen? I know where my state legislator lives. (laughs) I do. He he doesn't live far from my house. If I wanted to go, if I wanted to go knock on his door, I could. If I could do that, I'm sure there's a lot of crazy Trump people in their states and in their rep, in in their areas who can do that and may do that. And you know, when people start knocking at your door and saying, "Hey, uh, I think it'd be really nice for uh, you and your family if uh, you didn't certify those results," what are they gonna do? especially when most of them probably voted for Trump anyway themselves All right you know um, so I'm not uh, the way I put it to one of my friends when we talked about it you know privately I said you know I'm not worried I'm not uh, my I'm not keeping my uh, you know I can sleep comfortably at night. I think like you said that nothing's gonna come of it in the end but I'm not incredibly confident. And I'm I'm slightly concerned, and I just like these two weeks to pass, and for things to go the way they are, and let him ride off in the sunset, and you know get ready to run again in 2024, and <laughs> make our lives all miserable.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that um, anything's going to come of it. I, I I like you. I am slightly concerned, but I, I haven't. I, I'm not anywhere near. Feeling like something is going to go go awry. Five alarm panic. Yeah, yeah I'm more yeah, yeah. I'm more concerned about the future of the country as it pertains to how people are going to now uh, look at our look at democracy and look at our election system and 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 look at it like okay, my president was cheated, so. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. Like, like, cause a, a lot of uh, Trump emboldened a lot of, of really shitty people. Yeah. And to my mind, I thought if Biden washes him like completely, um, that's not going to change those people, but those people are more likely going to slink back into hiding a little bit. Mm-hmm. Cause there might be some, some more accountability than Trump was willing to, or, or not, not putting it all at his feet, but like, you know, what, him or people who who respect him or willing to do, but with if if those same people don't feel like he actually lost, I don't see any motivation for them to to, to change down. their behavior yeah. or curb it or anything like that, and maybe even encourage to turn up even more. So like that kind of shit that bothers me that the, the concept of, of undermining the election and people feeling like uh, votes don't count or or man, there's like mad dead people voting and like all of this is a sham and it's all done to cheat my president out of a second term. Like that fucking, that terrifies me. Like I am not, I'm concerned about that piece of it. And what's so crazy about that is this particular
1: election was under more, uh, I guess, surveillance and supervision than uh, historically elections have been. Like yeah. that which makes, makes it something more, like which makes it more ridiculous that they say that like there's been cheating and mm-hmm. all of this. Like, oh man, they they put a lot into making sure that this was on the level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, and further, if there was evidence, it would turn up. Like the uh, last I saw, you know, they they do all these filings and they say, well, there's we feel there's fraud, and you know, some of the transcripts that I've seen, the judges are like, you know. All right, so what kind of fraud is it? Well, we didn't actually see the fraud. <laughs> we just think it's a little bit fishy. What's going on? And that's sort of how these uh, court cases have been going so far, as far as I've been able to to look. I haven't followed them extremely closely, but the one yeah. you know when when they've come across and I've seen them or seen reports, news reporting on them, that seems to be how they're going. Uh, which I think is sort of why nobody's jumping in. That's also another reason why I think I'm less. Cons- I'm less concerned that at the end of the day it's not going to uh, shake out the way it should because you know when uh, Bush stole the election in 2000 they had all the top lawyers uh, they were all at the ready uh, they were filing cases they had clear legal arguments. Uh, I am not a lawyer I don't know you know what form how to formulate a great argument. But what I do know is other lawyers, uh, people who do analyze these things, they're all saying that these guys are just basically, you know, throwing stuff at the wall and hoping that it sticks. They're mm-hmm. they the the top Republican uh, lawyers, the the ace, their top guns are not taking these cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the lawyers that they do have are quitting because they're like they're like, man, this is too shameless, even for us, <laughs> <laughs> like. So I mean, I feel like This is bad yeah, even for a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's another thing that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable that even with this, you know, we'll six three
0: child molester <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this election <laughs> shit is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> even with the six three Supreme Court and a bunch of uh, Republican Supreme Courts in these in these states, uh, these Legal arguments are so bad he has so few uh, appendages to stand on that uh, even the the Republican judges are like get out of here man this is uh, <laughs> this is not this is not
0: in any way valid so um, I think we've I think we've adequately covered um, how we ended up with Trump so let, let, let's talk about how we ended up. <laughs> i was gonna say how we ended up with biden it was meaner than i wanted it to sound but uh, that's not even actually that's actually how we ended up with biden is not even actually what i want to talk about it was more so about how we ended up how we were able to successfully remove trump and I i think this is a combination of of there is some some repudiation of his behavior but then also um I think Biden just struck a chord with a lot of people that I don't think a lot of us expected him to strike a chord with. Uh, it was an interesting primary, that's for sure. So um, I do want to spend some time, a little bit of time talking about how we went from our, our, our massive group of 20-plus potential uh, Democratic nominees and how we, we went from, I think, uh, after uh, Mayor Pete won Iowa— we had allegedly. Uh, <laughs> it's a story for another time. But yes. Allegedly with his own app. Um, after Pete, Pete Buttigieg won Iowa, I think was South Carolina right after that? No, it was, it uh, was New Hampshire. Uh, yes. New Hampshire. And then Bernie won New Hampshire. Yep. And then Bernie once we won got Nevada. One, yep. Once we got to South Carolina, that's when Jim everything Clyburn. changed. Uh, was that Jim Clyburn stepped in mm-hmm. yep. and endorsed Biden. Yep. And, and everything changed. So how? Once we, what happened to make South Carolina and everything after that? Where it was just like because like that shit wasn't even close after that. Because right. I kind of like when South Carolina happened. I kind of was like, oh, okay, he won South Carolina. Okay, oh, that's not that surprising because he was finishing like fourth. Fifth, yeah, like yeah. like he wasn't even close. Then he went South Carolina. I was kind of like I I personally felt like it was probably like a little bit of a one off, mm-hmm. and it did not play out that way at all. Yeah. Like he, like everybody dropped out. <laughs> like yeah. it was just Bloody him Monday. and Bernie and uh, Elizabeth Warren and, and then Bloomberg. Yeah, <laughs> Bloomberg. <laughs> He won American Samoa, man.
1: That's more than uh, Kamala Harris <laughs> he, he won. Did. he did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
0: Kamala Harris didn't win American Samoa. <laughs> and I do still want to... Like, my, my brief favorite moment of the primaries was after one of the debates with uh, Tom Steyer. I don't even remember what he said, but he said something nice, to, nice as fuck to Bernie. versus yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then, like, I'm going to actually... I'm going to try to find it. But there was an awesome fucking tweet that I saved where somebody made a joke... After that, it was after that moment. And if you were not somebody who was watching that debate and saw that moment, you would not get this tweet. But the tweet was so funny. It was like about. <laughs> actually, I'm not gonna find it because it's probably it's probably gonna be too far back. But the, the gist of the tweet, yeah, the gist of the tweet was something like, um, Bernie like needed a heart transplant, and Tom Steyer uh, gives him the heart transplant, and Bernie wakes up, and he's like. Uh, well, well, Bernie wakes up not knowing that Tom Steyer gave him the heart transplant. He wakes mm-hmm. up from this heart surgery and he's like, uh, oh, man, I got a new heart. Who gave it to me? He's like, oh, what, why do you think Tom Steyer rec- uh, recommended you for this? He gave you his heart. And Bernie goes, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how I ended up with that diversion, but like, man, that shit was hilarious. But yeah, so um, what do you think it was? That made Joe Biden resonate with the populace so much, particularly with Black people, because we can talk about it. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, my my long going or ongoing disappointment with Black voters uh, really deepened with the support uh, <laughs> that we gave to Joe Biden, and by we I mean we as Black people, not me personally. Right. Um, but I think what happened during the primary if I were to venture a guess, is voters wanted to defeat Donald Trump, and that was the number one concern that everyone had, or most of the voters had. They didn't really care, uh, at least they didn't care as much what else came with it. They didn't really care what the path was to defeating Donald Trump. They just wanted to beat Donald Trump. and I think there was confusion. You know, my whole life I've wanted a big primary. I'm big on big primaries. I'm big on third parties. I'm big on choices in politics, mainly because I've been dissatisfied with the choices we've had for pretty much my whole life. But uh, I thought, oh, this is great. We have a big primary. This is going to be wonderful. There's going to be a lot of options. And. I think in practice what that did, even though I liked it, it confused voters who don't necessarily pay as, uh, as much attention. And they didn't know what to do, but they knew what they wanted, which was to beat Trump. And so there was a big field, and I think people were confused. And when South Carolina happened, you had Jim Clyburn, who is, I believe, the whip in the House House. Uh, I don't know what his title is, but he's the third most powerful person in the house. There's you know Nancy Pelosi, uh, and then there's Steny Hoyer uh, below her, and then there's Jim Clyburn uh, among Democrats in the House. And you know he's the highest ranking. Uh, well, now that Kamala Harris is going to be Vice President, that's not the case. But at the time, he was the highest ranking Black official in our government. And uh, when Jim Clyburn came out and said, you know, we know Joe, I trust Joe. I like Joe, you know, singing that old uh, that old uh, Dwight Eisenhower song I like like <laughs> I like I like Joe. Um, he gave voters a signal that this was the guy to be Trump. And when all of the other people dropped out, including people who were ahead of Joe in the delegate count and who were polling ahead of Joe, and they all dropped out and they said, I like Joe too. What the voters saw was the party saying Joe is the guy to beat Joe uh, to beat Donald Trump, and that's what happened. They said, "Okay, if that's what everyone is saying, that's what we're going to do." And from that point forward, it really didn't matter. It did. This this was not an election on issues, or the primary wasn't. It wasn't a primary on issues. It was a primary on beating Trump.
0: Electability.
1: Yeah. Electability. And. I don't personally believe there's even, you know, a lot of people are coming out now saying, well, see, in the end, it turns out that Biden was the only person who could beat Trump. And I don't know that I believe that now. Um, I don't even know how you can scientifically prove that. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that now. Uh, I I think it's possible. I'm not going to go so far as to say that's wrong, but I don't know that I believe that. But what I will say is that um, what voters wanted was somebody who could do that and... That was their primary concern, and when the party all got behind Joe Biden, it didn't matter what Bernie was talking about, it didn't matter what issues he was talking about, it didn't matter that the issues that he supported were polling better than what Biden was supporting, because that's not what people were voting on. They were voting on beating Trump, and they saw Biden as the vehicle to do that, and that's who they voted for, and that was... end of the game and frankly i think that that same thing happened in the um in the general election too um because i mean uh, biden barely even he didn't have any field offices in any of the states at super tuesday like he wasn't campaigning he wasn't really taking this seriously and just he, about about he won all the states he, did. he won all the states he didn't have field operation he wasn't Nothing. campaigning no. he, it, it's not just that um, people voted for him they voted for him and he wasn't even doing anything <laughs> and, and then the same thing happened in the general he didn't start campaigning until a month before the election he showed up for the debates and that was it Bernie was out there campaigning for him Uh, You know, there were other surrogates who were out there campaigning for him. Uh, Even Kamala was a little bit. He was in his basement. Didn't matter. He, he, you know, he he had some YouTube ads and some commercials, and he got 78 million and counting
0: votes. People just wanted Trump out of there, and uh,
1: that's what they got.
0: Yeah, I I think the craziest thing for me, and I think that this is when it, it, it got troublesome slash concerning for me was when everyone dropped out yeah like that was when i was yeah. like man what the fuck's going on yeah because like like at that point it that became was less yes it, it it was no longer about what we wanted it was about what they wanted or, yep. and and not even so much what they wanted but them telling us this is what you want yes and like that did not sit well with me it I didn't still like doesn't know, sit well with yeah, me yeah like like being told like this is what you want and everybody going, "Okay, that's what I want then." Yeah. And it's like, "What? Like, there's so much evidence to say that that is not what you want." right? <laughs> but but right. like everybody and I hold I hold accountable everybody. I do, like, I do too. Everybody. Like and when I say everybody, I mean Bernie Sanders too. Mm-hmm. I hold Bernie accountable for that too. Like the fact that everybody just fucking was like, "Yeah, th- this is what we're going to do now and that's what you're going to do cuz that's mm-hmm. what you want." Like that, that it drove me crazy, and I don't understand. I don't understand how. I mean, I understand, but I'm, I'm almost in kind of disbelief at how wildly successful this was. I am too. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't believe it, was... <laughs> man. Like it worked, and I didn't. I didn't think it was, I, Not to say that I didn't think it was going to work in the sense of like I didn't think they would manage a way to get Trump out of there. But the the, the like you said, the fact that. 78 million people are like, yep, that's what I want, and it's like, no, that's not what you wanted, but you were manipulated into thinking that that's what you wanted, and and it worked, and yeah. I'm like, man.
1: You know, one of the things I, I have a friend that I talk to uh, sometimes about this stuff, and we kind of have this inside joke about uh, voters is weird, and <laughs> one, of, and we always talk about voters is weird, and this is sort of off topic, but it's on, it's it on is, topic. It is, though! <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's sort of off topic, but it's on topic. One of the things that I was talking to him about recently was uh, defund the police. And they had uh, very recently, you know this reporter went out because there's this fight and on, on a future episode, maybe we'll talk about this this interparty fight about defund the police. But in short, there's a fight going on in the party about whether or not the phrase "defund the police is damaging. And so reporters have been going out and talking to people and figuring things out. And they, and one reporter found that there were a lot of voters who really did hate the phrase defund the police, and they were mad about it. But when they talked to the voters, they were like, so, uh, you know, you hate defund the police, right? And they're like, yeah, I hate defund the police. It's terrible. And they keep telling us that's not what they mean, but I know what defund means. And they're like, well, how do you feel about redirecting funds from police to community programs to help to, to do other things better than police. They're like, I like that. That's a good idea. So, so you, so you, you're in favor of defund the police. No, no, I'm not. And all you can say about that is voters is weird like <laughs> like so you're in favor of what defund the police means you just are not in favor of defund the police as a phrase and it's sort of, that's sort of that's that same dynamic was sort of the dynamic here like uh are you in favor of medicare for all yes we are in favor of medicare for all are you in favor of 15 dollars minimum wage which by the way biden did support and i'm not i'm gonna say that uh yes i'm in favor of 15 dollars minimum wage are you in favor of a green new deal yes i'm in favor of green new deal here's a candidate who supports all these things no What about <laughs> <a> candidate? <laughs> we're gonna vote for the candidate who, who's opposed to two out of those three things and a host of other things we agree with that's who we're gonna vote for <laughs> voters is weird that's yeah. all you can say like
0: voters is weird yeah I, I i don't even understand how we got to that point like like that's like that, that's the perfect example. Like the the do you want somebody who supports one two three four? Here's a candidate who supports one two three four, and you go with candidate who only supports one. Like I, I it's it's amazing. But it's it's I it, and this is why I'm still I'm still so upset. Is that that wouldn't have been possible had everyone else removed themselves as options and like that and not just removed themselves as options, but through their support behind Biden. Because that's, oh, right, right. that's
1: a big part of it to me. I'm still mad at Big Gretch for holding that rally a week before the Michigan primary um, with Biden and with Harris. I had forgot that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's one thing, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you wanted to remain neutral, that's fine. But once you threw your gauntlet down and mm-hmm. put it behind the candidate, well, you know, now you I got a problem with you because... You know, it's not that I believe that Bernie was going to get all the things on his agenda done. He was going to face a lot of opposition. He may not have gotten any of it done, but he was going to chart us on a path towards getting there in a way that now is completely off the table for at least four years, perhaps as long as 12. And you know who I hold responsible for that fact? In in large part, is Democratic voters and people like Gretchen Whitmer, who elevated Biden who didn't just remain neutral but said this is the guy all of you should be voting for who encouraged the voters to vote for him and now these things are off the table they're off the table uh at least at least for four years and maybe in in well into the future until we're in our 50s or 60s you know and that's uh depressing to think about but
0: Welcome yeah, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bernie, Bernie would have done a great deal to even, even as a candidate, to shift the Overton window. Are you yeah. familiar with Overton window? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I don't think we need. To, I, I'm pretty sure I've explained it on the podcast. So I don't. I don't think I need to talk about it. But um, uh, the the perfect example of that is what he like is healthcare. Healthcare is the perfect example of the shifting of the Overton window, where you had. Um, uh. Every candidate this year, what they wanted for health care was what was completely ridiculous in the Obama administration. Like they were like, like, what is that shit? And Obama had to water the fuck out of it down to get what is now Obamacare. And now in 2020... That's the bare fucking minimum. In 2008, it was like, what the fuck is that crazy shit? And now in 2020, it's the bare fucking minimum. And Bernie would have done so much to even shift that even further to where, like you said, maybe he doesn't get shit done. But he's so far that he might shift that Overton window to where we might get some actually pretty good shit, even though it's not what Bernie wanted or what he promised us. And like, man, we we lost out heavy. 12
1: 12 years ago, uh, we were mad at Obama or
0: 11 years ago. We were
1: mad at Obama for uh, shiving the public option. And Joe ran on the public option uh, in 2020. And we were like, public option? That's all? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how much Overton Windows moved in 11 <laughs> years on, right. this, on this. And uh, just for the... As for I said, the it's the bare fucking and, minimum. And for the <laughs> listeners, he's already uh, backing off a of public option. Uh, so thanks, Democratic voters, for that. Oh, God.
0: But yeah. Jesus so great. Um, so... I think in, in the in the last portion of this, I want to talk about. So so we we talked about how we ended up with Trump. We talked about now how we've ended up with Biden. Let's 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 close this by talking about why we didn't want Biden in the first fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and I, I do kind of want to preface this piece of the conversation just because uh, well, well with this one statement in, in that um, I it, it, speaking for myself. Um, not wanting Biden is not, and, and this is less important after post election. But I've been anti Biden for long before then. This was not. My, this was never my way of saying don't vote or vote for Trump or like 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 it's like, okay. I voted for Biden, so like I, I it just would happen. But um, I I think it's important, especially now that it doesn't matter. <laughs> and that it's important that people understand where we are versus where we could have been and what we could potentially see over the next four years, if that old oh, ass motherfucker lived that long, <laughs> but like, like what we could potentially see over the next four years and what we could potentially see if, uh, this ends up being, a, a Kamala Harris presidency. <laughs> presidency. <laughs> that was tough to get out. But uh, yeah. So, um, uh, I don't want to spend, uh, we can maybe talk about Kamala Harris a little bit next time. Uh, I, I think a lot of you two are are, are fairly aware of Kamala's past because it, it gets brought up a lot. Whereas I think Joe Biden's doesn't get brought up a lot in the sense of, um, like, you you have Kamala Harris as a as a, uh, a former a former um, prosecutor, prosecutor, attorney general, like all that came to light. And I think I think that was brought more encouraged to be brought to light because of everything happening in the country right now with like the police and shit like that. Whereas like a lot of Joe Biden's, um, issues, uh, were not brought to light. And like I said, I think it's interesting to, to think about, um, who we elected, why we elected him and what that's going to look like. Cause I think a lot of people, and, and when you mentioned, uh, people voting for Biden, um, one of the factors that is, especially in, in, in our community, is, oh, I know him from Obama. Yep. That's Obama's yeah. guy. Yep. Oh, okay, we're in there. Yep.
1: And I've even seen some people, who, um, more, um, I guess, uh, thought leaders, if, if you want to call them that, who've even said things to the, to the effect of uh, they like Joe because he took a back seat to, buy, uh, to Obama. And he showed him deference when he was in the office and showed him respect Uh, and more or less that basically this was a white man who took the back seat to the black man and did it willingly. So they respect him for
0: that. Right. Uh, Which I mean sacrifice. Yeah. (laughs) To do your job (laughs) (laughs) and be assistant to the president. Right. What a huge sacrifice. (laughs) White man. We appreciate right. that. <laughs> so I mean, I'm
1: not I'm not I'm not going to down anybody for respecting that, but uh, for uh, yeah, <laughs> but but I mean to to use that respect as the jump off point for being like, oh, this is this guy's going to be a good president because he willingly took the back seat to Obama. That's
0: uh, that's silly in in my view, but yeah, what have you? So, um, where do you want to start uh, again? Keeping it. Uh, with 25 minutes tops. Right. Uh, I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I really want to watch Bill Maher tonight, so I don't, <laughs> don't want to like go past uh, 10 o'clock. And it's 9:35 and 36 at the moment. But um, where do you want to start? As far as um, why not Joe Biden, as oh. opposed to why pro Bernie or why pro whoever else. <laughs> but why not Joe Biden? Because I, I remember I gotta, you, you publicly saying that he was among among or at your least favorite option out of all the options. And and, uh, it's funny that it actually ended up this way because I didn't think it would at the time. But I I remember you saying a Biden-Harris ticket would be like the worst ticket we could (laughs) end up with. (laughs) And that was... That's exactly what happened. So why why were you so down on a Biden-Harris ticket?
1: Yeah, uh, I guess I'll clarify first before I start on that, that uh, I did consider Biden to be the second worst candidate. Uh, Bloomberg was the worst. Uh, And I considered Harris to be the third worst candidate. So uh, that's what we came up with. Uh, And also, I would also say that I was more... And, and you know me personally, I guess the listeners don't, but you know how much, uh, how, how much I support and I was a fan of Bernie. Uh, but I was more anti-Biden than I was pro-Bernie. Had the Democrats selected another candidate outside of Biden who I may not have liked, I may have been able to take a more moderate attitude. Uh, I didn't really care for, um, you know, Amy Klobuchar very much. But if she had gotten the nomination, I'd have been like, okay, this isn't someone I like, but let's get behind it and rah-rah and yay. Whereas with Biden, I pretty much complained the, <laughs> the whole eight months because he's terrible. So where to start with Biden? Uh, effectively, uh, you know, any any problem or most of the problems – that I have with our country at this time. Uh, Joe Biden was at the center of making it worse, cheerleading for making it worse, writing the bills for making it worse, uh, giving speeches in Congress, uh, in the Senate, uh, trumpeting the fact that he's the guy who's making it worse. He, uh, you know, it's starting in the 70s, uh, you know, and there are a lot of people who say, well, that was the 70s. Uh, why are you bringing up the things that he did in the 70s? But the fact of the matter is he never denounced those things that he said in the 70s. You know, uh, there's a senator from Massachusetts named Ed Markey who ran for re-election this year. He ran in a primary against Joe Kennedy, the third. He won, and then he got re-elected. And Ed Markey has a has had some pretty bad votes in the 90s and in the 2000s. But in the time that has elapsed, he's denounced his old positions. He's changed. He's evolved. And I think that, you know, if you're building a a political coalition and you're trying and you're thinking about who to vote for and who you want on your team, you have to give people space to evolve and to have been wrong in the past. That's what Ed Markey's done. And now Ed Markey's on the right side of a lot of issues. Joe Biden didn't do that. You know, Joe Biden was against uh, busing in the 70s, he, which uh, more or less amounted to the pro-segregation opinion. He allied with actual segregationists. Uh, you know, real Confederate flag waving old Democrat uh, segregationists. James Eastland and John Stennis. Uh, just the the, the people who's, who were Absolute white supremacists in uh, who would act, not just you know people who we call white supremacists, people who would call themselves white supremacists. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, he he was allied with them in the Senate in the '70s to uh, stop uh, inter, inter, certain policies like busing that were part of integration, uh, and he never backed off of those positions. He never said you know I was wrong for thinking that in the '70s. I never heard it. Uh, if he has said he was wrong, I never heard him say it. When he was in the Senate, he spent a lot of time in the '80s and uh, most famously in the early aughts, um, writing bills that made it more difficult to declare bankruptcy, um, making it harder on people um, that uh, you know to to get under get out from under, you know, burdens of uh, debt, and basically just making life harder for ordinary people. He wa- he wrote bills in the early 80s, and he wrote a big bankruptcy bill in, I believe, 04, maybe it was 02, um, that really shaped uh, the way things are today, that made it uh, nigh impossible to discharge student debt. And he was at the center of that, and he never apologized for that. Now, I, I've heard that he sort of plans on you know backing off of that position as president i won't believe it until i see it because i know what he's done in his past which is my uh general attitude towards him um you know in the 90s he was as you know when he was in the senate i guess i should say this for the listeners he was a powerful senator um, later in his Senate career, he got elected in the late 70s and was one of the youngest senators ever elected. He was, I believe, uh, he was uh, like the bare minimum age. Yeah, the bare minimum yeah. age. So by the time the 90s came along, he was still younger than a lot of senators are now or were then. And he had been in the Senate for 20 years. And he was the chairman of uh, I think it's called foreign services or basically foreign policy, the foreign policy group in the Senate. He was the chairman of that group in the Senate. Uh, and he was behind, uh, he was cheerleading for bills that eventually became what we now know as the Patriot Act in the nineties. And when, uh, 9-11 happened and Bush got an opportunity to, uh, a political opportunity to pass the Patriot Act, Joe Biden was one of the, one of the guiding forces from the democratic side, helping to push that through the Senate in the aughts. Which, you know, the Patriot Act, was a horrible bill that uh, really infringed on our uh,
0: civil liberties and civil rights. And I bet a lot of people who voted for Joe Biden would readily agree with you, like, oh, fuck the Patriot Act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe Biden not only was
1: part of shepherding that through the Senate, but in the 90s, he was trying to get something like it passed. But there was no political will for it before 9-11. So Joe Biden was behind that. I mean, just, you know, if you got a problem with the way civil liberties are and how they've been eroding in my adult life, Joe Biden was at the center of that and doesn't apologize for it. If you have a problem with, uh, you know, the um, mass incarcer- incarceration, over-policing, Joe Biden was at the center of that. He doesn't apologize for it. He did apologize for it let me correct that i don't want to get put out wrong information he apologized for it about 3 weeks before the election
0: <laughs> when he was
1: trying to shore up those last votes when there were articles coming out that he was losing votes among young black people he apologized for it then i don't count that you as the listener you you make the you make the decision I, I call that pandering. If you were going to it's apologize... It's been 25 years. <laughs> yeah, it's like been 25 come years. On. Dude. And it came up during the debates. It, in mm-hmm. the primary, it came up during the general. He didn't apologize for it until about three weeks before the election. Uh, he did a, a, a rather uh, famous interview with Charlemagne the god, where he called him out on it. He didn't apologize then. In fact, he said if you don't like it, you ain't black. So, <laughs> so I mean... <laughs> I don't count that apology, but if the listener wants to be more uh, more lenient than I, you go for it. But, you know, he didn't apologize for that. Uh, you know, so, I don't see any growth from him. I don't see anything that, you know, says that this guy uh, may have held these positions in the past, but now doesn't feel like they're the right thing, or thinks they're the wrong path. Uh, he just says, that's what I did, and that's that. And if you don't like it, you can vote for somebody else. <laughs> yeah. And that's not a joke. That's he what he said. said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pull it up on YouTube. He said that. So, you know, I, that's why I was anti-Biden. He's consistently been um, in opposition to things that I am for and for things I am in opposition to. And he has not really changed his mind or apologized for his previous positions mm-hmm and he's shown no growth, and you know, if there's a politician who is for things that you are against, and who is against things you are for, then that is not somebody who you should be supporting. Uh, He did eventually get my vote, because Donald Trump is a lunatic who uh, threatened to send paramilitary, or did not dissuade paramilitary groups from amassing in our streets, and you know, I'm not really ready to fight a war right now i'm out of shape uh i'm <laughs> overweight and so i don't i don't really feel like fighting proud boys uh, and so uh i voted for the not encouraging proud boys candidate but uh <laughs> that doesn't make him a good guy right. and you should be opposed to people who are uh for the things you're opposed to and against the things that you are for
0: yeah um I think the point of um, him not apologizing for stuff like that's something that I've given a lot of thought to. The idea that you know, we we any a candidate's running for something, we bring up their record. Oh, in, in in whatever year you voted to support blank and blank sucks right now. So what what do you have to say about that? And it's very rare that a politician will go, "Yeah, that wasn't a good look," or or even. That was a good look at the time, but now it's not a good look because times change, people change, we evolve, and I am consistently frustrated by how rarely politicians do that because it's an easy – it's an easy move. like right. Like you can – like, you can erase a lot of your past votes. And, and even then, like, a lot of that stuff might have been legit at the time. Right. And we look at it, like, we look at it back now. Like, we do that a lot right now. Like, hold people accountable current day for shit that was fine when they did it. Right. So, like, we're, we're, we apply current day rules to past actions. And people, a lot like, people don't, like, I feel like politicians should uh, take advantage of that. Right. Like, like, say, like, okay, yeah, you know, I fucked up, and then, you know, I, I don't feel that way now. Or, um, at the time, that was a good look. Now, it's not. You know, like, like right. it's, it's so easy. I don't think it costs you political capital to do that. Right. And he has not done that. And that's and that's something, like you said, like, it's not even so much apologizing for it. But then, on top of that, he, he he's proud of a lot of that stuff. Like, I, like here's the, the deal. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's going to work across the aisle. Republicans racist <laughs> i'll work i work with anybody <laughs> like so it's like not only does he not apologize for these things he he trumpets these these things as accomplishments and and reasons why you should support him right and like that's that's he so worked- wild to me I, I just feel like that's and and on a personal level the idea of you should vote for me because i can work across the aisle Uh, On the surface, it's like, oh, that's cool. Like, oh, that'd be great if we could have a president that could bridge the two parties. But in actuality, it's idiocy. It is stupid. I don't want to work with them. No, I don't want to work with them. And they don't want to work with us. Right. Meeting halfway with the Republicans is terrible because they're
1: crazy. The, The things they are for is they are not crazy. All of them the things they are for are crazy. yeah. And we should not be working with them. We should be working to change people's minds. We should be working to get out people who don't vote, who um, who would be more amenable to the things we're for, and changing the minds of people who are not for what we're for and getting them to believe that what we're advocating for is the right thing. But what we should not be doing is meeting them halfway because meeting them halfway is just more garbage.
0: Yeah, they're
1: standing in the middle of of, of a toxic waste pool. You don't want to meet halfway in the middle of the toxic waste pool. You got you got to get them over
0: to the to the ledge where you're at. And they're gonna keep slapping you until you're all the way submerged in the toxic <laughs> yes. pool with them, right? And swimming happily, and all of us, the, 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 the citizens, or the, or the, the, the average man, or the people are gonna get fucked over because you, you, you felt like it was some sort of like, uh, like, like you were doing some sort of, uh, service to us by saying like hey I can I can make this happen no you can't make that happen right. and to me that just shows naivete that shows idiocy that shows that either and and the thing is I don't think that that's the case like the, the fact that he he believes that he can work with them and 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 he's gonna enter into this situation and be like oh my god they're not helping me out at all like I don't think he even believes that but it's like it, it's just i don't know why that's something that is being presented as a positive right when we have watched at least for for those our of us life. who are our age yeah. our adult life the last 20 uh 22 or approximate years that we've been able to vote we've seen categorical evidence that they have no interest in reaching across the aisle and so for you to think that that's you're presenting this to us as a positive, like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this." No, you're not, right? And furthermore, want to. And furthermore, like, getting back to
1: Joe's record and reasons why I, I was not for him, we have evidence of what happens when he does that. Because it, you know, there was a time when Obama was president, and uh, it was uh, the the Democrats still had control of the Senate, and they pretty much it was it came time to uh, get rid of the Bush. Tax cuts—they had a sunset provision on them. Uh, they, Congress would have had to affirmatively act to renew them; otherwise, they would have expired on their own. And the Democrats had the power position—they had the control of the Senate—and basically, Harry Reid was holding out to extract. He—he was—he was about to eat Mitch McConnell's lunch, basically. Um, and he was holding out. And Joe Biden, as the vice president, said, "I can get a better deal." And he basically undercut Harry Reid's position, Uh, you know, there's reporting on this, go Google it, don't take my word for it, and he undercut uh, Harry Reid's position, made a private deal with Mitch McConnell, basically gave away the store, and that's how the Bush tax cuts became permanent in uh, in that budget fight. Because Joe Biden did that, and that's what he calls reaching out and working across the aisle. So we have evidence of what happens when Joe Biden reaches across the aisle. What happens is he gives away the store. He gives them what they want and we get screwed. Now now and then they and then we come back and now and we have people, including some Democrats, talking about, oh, the deficit's so high. Deficit wouldn't be so high if the Bush tax cut wouldn't have happened. Who did that? Joe Biden did that. Y'all voted for him, Democratic voters.
0: Yeah, that, 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 they, they they certainly did. I, I, I like that idea. Where he's just like, yeah, he uh, he, he Mitch McConnell's about to have his lunch eaten, and Joe Biden comes to the rescue. And this, this frog sounded motherfucker is probably so goddamn happy. Like, oh, thank you, Joe Biden. You are very helpful. To me. Oh, it oh, is so great. I appreciate your help, sir. Oh, I'm gonna die soon. <laughs> Look at my purple hand. <laughs> What's wrong? With the, like, did he, did he like tie himself off to do heroin and forget to take the thing off? <laughs> 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 his hand is purple. <laughs> I don't that's know what the, f- the fuck's going on. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think on that note, that's probably a good a good space to end, making fun of Mitch McConnell's purple hand and his frog voice. <laughs> um, so um long term i don't know what our plan is going to be for this podcast but um we are certainly going to have an abundance of fodder over the course of the next couple of months and um over the next four years so um there's always gonna be something to talk about there were several things that were mentioned on this podcast that i think alone will make for good entire episodes on their own so like and we haven't even talked about kamala harris yet so um lots of good stuff um uh, we'll be back at some point, probably within the next uh, two weeks or so. Uh, probably talk about Kamala Harris. There was some. There was a couple things I'll have to run this podcast back that were mentioned early on that I wanted to add as potential episode topics. So, um, all the horrible people that uh, Joe Biden's picking for his transition team—that's an episode too. Yeah, that's that's an episode too. More reaching across the aisle, this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, choose <laughs> strew- all of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> We'll stack the cord and we'll do all these old things with my purple hand. All right, everybody. Uh, We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.